You're listening to the Climbing Vines podcast, a series exploring the experiences of Black women on the University of Pennsylvania's campus. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Climbing Vines podcast. My name is Arielle Winfield, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we are here with Luam Kofleski. Luam is a dancer, choreographer, artistic director, entertainer, Penn alumna, all of the above, and we are so lucky to have here today. Hi, Luam. Hey, Ariel. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So I want to just start with the very beginning. We're going to go all the way back. Please tell me a little bit about where you grew up and if you could give me a little background about your young adolescent and teen years before you got to Penn. So my story definitely begins probably a while before that. I was uh, born in Eritrea, East Africa. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I hail from. But then we moved to Philly, which is where I grew up. And then, but then I did my, my later schooling in Seattle. So I came to Penn by way of Seattle, you know, grunge Mm -hmm. capital of the world at the time. Um, but I did kind of grow up on the East Coast as well, and I did have African roots. So I came with, you know, I brought everything with me and, right. and came to Penn. <laughs> right. So what was it like coming of age in the 90s, going from Philly to Seattle and then back? I feel lucky. I feel like I got all the best time periods of music and culture and location. Yes. <laughs> like the di- I think the diversity of the different places that I grew up really informed who I was as a little black girl, you know what I mean? Growing Mm -hmm. up and listening to my Adidas and when Crush Groove came out in the theaters, when E.T. dropped, like all these things. And growing up Mm -hmm. in the 90s when, you know, I'm in Seattle when when the whole thing happened with Kurt Cobain, I was there for Pearl Mm -hmm. Jam and all of these incredible bands and really got into rock as well, you know, and the culture of it too. So, you know, I was such a hip hop head, such a lover. I remember when I first heard, you know, biggie you know what i mean mm-hmm. and we're all sneaking yeah. listens on one person's earphones because they happen to record a recording of a recording you know right. what i mean so it, it was like you're discovering music as it's being born in different ways and you know in different locations and different genres so for me that really sort of gave me a really great diversity of um i don't know just dimension in in kind of what my taste was um, all around. And I also grew up, you know, playing piano and doing classical music and, and all of that. So, you know, I think a lot of people who come to Penn come with such, so many different consciousness, consciousnesses, if that is a word, <laughs> um, of, of different things that they're into that, you know, people may not expect. And, you know, I definitely was one of those. Can definitely relate to uh, growing up in that era and listening to Biggie and finding your music that you like and coming. I'm definitely a music head too, so I definitely can relate to all of these experiences. Um, so, as you were growing up, when you were a kid, did you always want to be in the music industry in 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 any type of way or entertainment in general, or did you have other goals for yourself? So I I'll never forget. I remember. You know, since I was five years old, um, you know, they people, I just remember being five and people asking, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, a doctor, you know what I mean? It was just, Mm. it was so automatic for me. I don't even remember why I wanted to be that. I just remember I always wanted to be one. Um, Mm. So that was always in my brain, you know what I mean? From such a young age. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. you know, while that's in my brain, while that's academically what I'm pursuing, I found myself sort of immersing myself in different you know, pursuits and piano was like my first love. And, you know, I really got into that mm-hmm. at a young age. And then, you know, writing and, and all of these things. I didn't even touch dance until the last semester of my senior year at Penn. You know, so it's interesting. Really? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I had a love for it and I always would daydream about it. I think about it all the time. But mm-hmm. I guess I never really, you know, looked at it as a reality, but more of sort of something very, like something that is like a movie in your head, like, if I was on stage, yes. you know what I mean? So, yes. you know, I sort of like would live out the realities of my goals of, you know, having, having, you know, academic, academics being such a priority in my, in my life and in my, mm-hmm. you know, young career, you know? Um, mm-hmm. um, but 
at the same time, finding ways to express my artistic side anywhere that I could, you know, whether it was just, I was always drawing, I was always painting, I was always playing piano, I was always doing all these things, you know, but they were always very cursory. They were always hobbies. They were always sort of like secondary, you know, and always play second fiddle to anything else that I did. I never gave it sort of the, the, the power of priority in my life. Right. Oh my God, this sounds so much like me. It's crazy because when I was growing up, I was always into music and fashion and I used to be that person in the plays all the time and in acting classes and stuff like that. And I played the piano and the guitar Mm. and I loved fashion, like I said, and I always wanted, in my head, it was always like, oh, none of these are actual viable (laughs) job options. They're always just going to be like a hobby for me. Um... And then, you know, I was growing up and I found sports and my family is a big sports family. So I was like, okay, this is, this is cool. I found volleyball, which became my true love and, um, at least for sports. And I was like, okay, so what would I want to be when I grow up? And I actually was like, let me be a doctor. I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. Me too. Oh my God. (laughs) That's crazy. Oh my God. Yeah, I was a BBB major. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. See, I wanted to be BBB, but then I found cognitive science and I was like, oh, this is really cool because it was so interdisciplinary that it felt very, it felt like it gave me more breadth of options, you know, and maybe I could explore different interests of mine because I feel like I have so many different things that I'm interested in that I wanted to be able to do as much as possible. Mm. But wow. Okay. This is crazy. We are like, (laughs) I feel like I'm the same person. Um, But yeah, that's really cool. So, um, in Penn, well, while you were at Penn, um, what, I guess, was the catalyst for you to want to start getting into dance your senior year? I mean, I had been watching African Rhythm since that first step into that place, you know? And, mm-hmm. and But I never went to the shows. That's the funny thing. I never went to the shows, and I knew, you know, it's, it's you know yourself, right? And I knew if I sat in that audience in a show, I would somehow find my way onto the stage. There's right. no way yeah. I was going to be sitting down with those drums going on, I knew me. So I was like, you know what? Let me stay away. Mm-hmm. But I, I would I would just kind of like stalk it on the side. Like, what are they doing now? That's so cool, you know? Um, so right. I, I just, I don't know why I never tried it. You know, I hadn't trained in anything formally at the time. So, you know, mm-hmm. for me, it was like, oh, I don't know if I'd make it. Or I don't know. I just kind of was like, yeah. maybe it's not for me right now. And also because I was pers- I was just trying, I was joining a, different, a lot of different groups. I was, you know, very active on campus. So I felt like I wanted to try everything. And, and I was in mm-hmm. 4A. I was in, you know, I was president of the dorm, Du Bois at the time. I was doing a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I was like, it's like that first love where you're like, I'll make my way back, <laughs> you know, and we'll right. find each other again, you know, um, right. and that opportunity came for me um, because I started taking African dance classes the summer before my senior year, and I think that gave me the confidence to say, you know what, let me try out, you know, right. um, I'm, I don't know if I may not be first line, you know what I mean, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and the thing, but I'm going to try it out, and I got in, and much like many of my pursuits at Penn I was I surprised myself you know when I was a Mm -hmm. freshman um the BSL the Black Student League had a fashion show and it's literally when I just got there and I'm looking around like Mm -hmm. man everyone's so smart and beautiful and amazing and you know I came from Seattle and I didn't really I just felt like like I was like wow look at all these beautiful black people you know and they're so accomplished and I was I was celebrating the people around me that I didn't I didn't really fully celebrate myself you know so I went with my yeah. friend to support her to audition for the fashion show. And I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll just go with you to help you out. And then I got in and I was like, wait, what? Like, for real? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And I feel like I had a lot of those moments early on. And then I, I began to make bolder choices and in, in being involved. And that mm-hmm. culminated into auditioning for African Rhythms, you know, my senior year. Mm. That's amazing. And so I know you were taking this African dance class the summer before your senior year, but was that the first dance class you ever took or had you been dancing on the side before? No, that was the first. Mm. I mean, listen, there's dance classes and there's dancing with your friends. You know, I've been dancing with my friends 
for however right, long. Make right. your routines, you know. Forever. <laughs> and this is before any social media or even any YouTube or anything because there was no place but to be present in the room, in the space, in the in the community and dancing there. There was no one else to do it for but for each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it, it right. wasn't it wasn't a production to da- you know what I mean? And when you did make it a production, it was mm-hmm. like it had a really cool sort of organic communal feel to it, you know? So right. I would always dance in that way. I did like drill team, started a drill team in my high school, you know, where I was mm-hmm. like the only black senior, you know, but somehow <laughs> found all the black people in the community and we made a right. drill team. And it wasn't just, it was diverse. It was plenty of other folks um, as well. So it was a really great opportunity to sort of like take something that culturally I knew I wanted to be involved in that we didn't have and create one and sort of involve different people to learn about it, you know? So that was my first sort of foray into movement um, my senior year of high school. Then I came to Penn and, you know, it was just, there was so much to take in and I wanted Mm -hmm. to do it all. So I just took my time. (laughs) Okay. Um, But I will say real quick, um, yes, Mm -hmm. it was the first sort of formal training that I had ever taken um, Mm -hmm. in terms of dance. Because putting routines together and and building something with the pe- with your peers is different than learning from a master. For sure, for sure. Especially because the technique you have to Absolutely. incorporate that. You can't just be like willy nilly doing whatever you want. And it can be great. Yeah. And and you know, lots of that what we're doing with social dancing. I mean, hip hop and and all of that that the movement is is social dancing. So you have to be social mm-hmm. to do it. But there's also formal training and there's also learning foundations. There's all, especially with African, you have to understand where it comes from and, and learn from someone who knows where it's been, where, you know what I mean? Exactly. So what drew you to taking that class? Was it because of your African roots or was it just because whatever? Maybe. I mean, I just, I don't know how anybody can hear those drums and be in a room with, with the class and not jump in. It's just so intoxicating. You know, so for me, it was like a no brainer. I'm like anybody that's in there and likes to move is Mm going to jump in, you know. So for Mm -hmm. me, I always knew. And because I'd always I grew up daydreaming about dance. Now I'm like, oh, I get to learn about it. It was like a dream come true. Yeah, that's amazing. So when you were, you know, in high school, deciding where you wanted to go to college, what did you choose Penn because you know, you wanted to pursue your doctor dreams or was it because there were so many options for other types of careers at Penn or what was it for you? I mean, I came for Scholars Weekend. I saw the, the, I just saw just a beautiful community of just the the whole African diaspora. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I didn't have that Mm -hmm. in Seattle. You know, you were either, you were black American, period. You know, there yeah. was no understanding of, like, Caribbean-American culture, you know, Pan-Africanism. Like, there's so many, you know, shades and cultures of us that I hadn't been exposed to. So, honestly, it was when I visited Penn, and I just really fell in love with the community. And the, mm-hmm. the support of the community for the ideals of, you know, of Black history and, you know, African history. It just, I didn't really see it so visually and so present in in other schools mm. that I had visited you know right. and it wasn't on my top I actually grew up across the street from Penn you know wow. I, I ended up applying because I'm like oh oh yes I love growing up it was just the nostalgia thing almost you right. know what I mean I was like it's an, it's an Ivy League and I was pursuing Ivy League schools at the time and I was like, mm-hmm. and I grew up across the street, and I remember really, like, you know, it, it was just a, it was almost a whim. It was like home to you almost. Yeah, it was, mm-hmm. exactly, that's a great way to put it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was looking at places like Duke, and, you know, applying to Harvard, and Stanford, and, you know, just kind of pursuing the African mother's dream. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. If that makes any sense. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. I really love those schools as well, but you know, when I went to Penn, I just really connected with the people and the values Mm -hmm. and, you know, just was down for it all. Yeah. Honestly, that was one of the biggest reasons I decided to choose Penn too, because once I got to campus, I was like, wow, first of all, the diversity here is way higher than any of the other Ivy League schools. And I only, in my head, I was like, I'm, it's Ivy League or bust, which Mm -hmm. could have been bad if I wasn't smart enough or whatever for, you know, being at a school like that. But yeah, that's one of the main reasons I decided to go to Penn, too. So mm-hmm. what would you say was, like, the rest of your experience at Penn? How did 
how would you say these experiences shaped you and how did you see your dreams and aspirations evolve or shift during your time there? The interesting thing to note is that, you know, I n- I've never not pursued something that I didn't love or wasn't interested in. So, you know, me mm. being a BBB major and, and really getting into medicine and the brain, I've all, I loved it. Like, it was so fascinating mm-hmm. to me, you know. Right. So for me, it was never either or. It was just, mm. you know, I think we're very dimensional people, you know. And I just think we can Definitely. love more than one thing at a time and not and there's different seasons for different things you know so while I was at Penn and you know pursuing uh, pre-med and, and even finishing pre-med and taking MCAS went the whole went the whole way um, mm-hmm. for me what really shaped me uh, were was my community you know um, I couldn't have asked for a better experience I couldn't have asked for a more um, I guess balanced experience in the sense of it was what I needed at the time, you know, mm-hmm. as as a young black African uh, Eritrean girl, you mm-hmm. know, to sort of like understand where I my place in the world outside of how people saw me, you right. know. So it it was it really allowed me to to learn a lot about myself my community my heritage all of that at the same time not letting go of you know the diversity of the world you know what I mean Penn is Mm -hmm. is is a very it's a big school and you know there's a lot of people in it and you are you can carve your own sort of niche place in it but you are you will interact with everyone at some point for sure I mean and I love that I love being able to really you know, sort of, it definitely was sort of a slice of pie of life of what I was going to be experiencing later on. So I will say that it prepared me um, because I feel like, you know, for one thing, it also prepared me in the sense that I think a lot of people who go to schools like Penn or Ivy League schools is that, listen, you're not always going to be the smartest person in the room anymore. (laughs) And not only that, but the smartest person in the room isn't always the one who wins, it's the one that works the hardest. And it really taught me how to apply you know, not my, just my knowledge, but myself and my, my work ethic and, you know, all of those things. It taught me how to learn better. It taught me how to um, get results better, not just do the tasks, but get results. And, you know, there, there's so many things that Penn taught me. um, And, and sometimes in the socialization of it, you forget that, but, you know, I apply all of the knowledge that I use at Penn, I'm still using. And I'm not just talking about interpersonal or networking and all that. I'm talking about actual, you know, sort of like application of um, learning development, just like, especially with BBB. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's easy to apply things that, like that to the rest of what you do in life, exactly. at least for me, because a lot of people I feel like graduate and are like, I don't use it, anything that I learned in school. And I'm like, wow, I mean, honestly, that's really unfortunate. I know that's how a lot of people's experience is. But mine, doing cognitive science, I feel like I use that a lot in my daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, and to add to what you said, I feel like Penn, in addition to all those things, taught me how to utilize my resources better because there are an unbelievable amount of resources on Penn's campus. One thing I do have to say is that I don't think they always advertise them the best. It's, <laughs> it's very hard <laughs> to find them sometimes, but they are there. Um, So, yeah, that's really, really great to hear. Um, What would you say were the communities that you clung to the most or the ones that supported you the most throughout your time at Penn? I mean, definitely the black community, the African community. um, I wasn't as in to me. I I, that was my community. And the the community outside that were were also my community as well. But I just wasn't as close in terms of my Maybe we didn't get up for lunch outside of class all the time. We may study together, but we, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, they might not come home with me for Thanksgiving, you know what I mean? Um, But I found that my, my, I I was very connected to sort of the diasporic community within within Mm -hmm. Penn. And it wasn't till, because I had the opposite experience before that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, if I had grown up on the East Coast, I might have, you know, spread my wings a little bit more at Penn. But I, mm-hmm. I wanted that. That's what I needed at the time, and that's what I got. And I think that, you know, if, to go back and look and see how I could have better utilized, you know, different things, I would have used, like you said, the resources at Penn better. I would have, you know, mm-hmm. branched out a little bit more and maybe done performing arts like 
pen players or some some another a different group you know what i mean right. that that was a little bit um more diverse on the other side you know what i mean so mm-hmm. for me like it, it's interesting to look back and see just how i i cocoon myself in a way within um the black community but at the same time like i, I don't know i i'm i i feel stronger for it you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and also that was not my experience outside of penn like especially right. in the entertainment industry once i graduated like i was in the world you know and mm-hmm. i felt like stronger for it and i felt like more confident and able to assert my position and my place in whatever you know environment i was in whether it was corporate whether it was you know anything and it mm-hmm. diverse or not you know right. so mm-hmm. it definitely prepared me for that even though it wasn't exactly that experience in college right that makes total sense um so Tell us a little bit about your life in those first years post-college. Were you happy? Did you feel like you were on the right path for what you wanted for your life? I mean, I think I always feel like I'm on the right path in, in the moment. <laughs> and then you look yeah. back and you're like, wait, wait, I'm at the end of this path. What does that mean? Um, well, you know, I went into I went into IT. Um, I, I was working at Time Inc. It was corporate. Like, it was a really creative technological environment which I love because I was always into computers and and all that so I enjoyed it and I got to work Mm -hmm. on really cool technology projects and at the same time I would get to take dance classes after work you know and it was Mm -hmm. it was it was exactly what I wanted at the time right I didn't Mm -hmm. think like where is this taking me because I didn't consider dance as a career I was like it was like a professional hobby you know right right so those first years out of school were kind of like the golden years because I was young I was in my (laughs) early 20s I kind of did what I wanted for the first time and I was bringing home a check but at the same time pursuing or just like exploring my you know performance dreams you know so Mm -hmm. the thing is is that you know the I guess the untold story was that I was supposed to go back to med school at some point or apply to med school at some point. And I just kept putting it off. (laughs) Yeah, I'll get there, you know. Um, So it was almost too good. It was too comfortable. And Mm. so the shakeup happened when um, my company went through a merger and, you know, they got rid of my they disbanded my my group and department and eventually my job. Um, Mm. So I was like, okay, well, time to do the the next thing, which is what I was supposed to be doing earlier anyways. Um, Mm. But I'm like, wait, I got some severance. Let me just live out my little (laughs) dance fantasy for a few months. Right. First. And um, that just, I just never went back. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome, though, because what I believe, that was probably divine intervention saying, all right, your time at time is done. (laughs) Now it's time for you to move on and do your dance thing. Which I think is amazing. Um, yeah. Do you think you would have done it if you had? Nope. Mm. I would. I would not have. I would have found, or it would have taken longer. Right. You know? Okay. Oh, or I'd have had to face some really difficult decisions of okay, do I, you know, do this big job or go to work mm-hmm. or ask for right. I can't ask for leave or I don't have no more vacation. Like, it it would have come to a head at some point, you know, and right. this one just made it easier because it was a it wasn't a personal thing it was like a full organization wide sort of situation that was happening to everyone so mm-hmm. it, it, it's sort of you know god knows what he's doing <laughs> absolutely 100%. he tailored it for me <laughs> definitely um can you speak to any fears that you may have had during your transition to another field and the impact of the pressures you or society or your parents could have possibly placed on you I think with any with any decision into the artistic space, you're going to receive a lot of backlash Um, in some form. Maybe you have a supportive family. That's great. But then you may have friends who are eye bankers or, you know, lawyers and everyone. Someone's going to be concerned. Someone. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Coming from, you know, an Ivy League institution. So um, that's a lot of money spent on your education. And people just (laughs) want to make sure that. You know, you, you're it's utilized. <laughs> it's utilized in that you're thinking straight at realistically, you know? Right. Um, mm-hmm. because the lore of art the arts can be a lot for people and it's not for and not everyone is really meant to succeed the same way. Mm-hmm. You know? So they want to sure. make sure you're not one of those people who kinda have a pipe dream, you know? Right. Especially if you're not someone who has always has grown up doing it or 
You know what I mean? So Exactly. I think there's always going to be some level of skepticism, um, which I expected, you know. And this is before, again, there was like Dancing with the Stars or America's Best Dance Group. Before all of those shows that show that have since informed the, the public that, hey, you know, there's different kinds of dance. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it it can be really powerful and really enigmatic and really, you know, it can be lucrative and it can be a career. And this is before that when people say, oh, you're dancing, they're thinking of clear heels. You know what I mean? They're they're not really sure what to make of it Um, Mm -hmm. or understand sort of the the level of uh, mastery that it takes, you know, to, to make your headway. So my fears were multifold there were you know disappointing my family who you know again like I'm first generation my mom like fought through war to get me here and now I'm dancing like what is is that and you know so I I didn't want to disappoint her and I didn't want to disappoint my family and and I just wanted to make sure that my education was well used and I didn't want to disappoint myself you know I wanted to utilize more than just my body um, as a as a dancer or a choreographer or whatever, so I didn't know what that meant yet, you know. Um, and honestly, there's a lot of fears within the art form itself, you know. Um, it's a weeding out form. Not everyone's gonna make it the same, you know. You work right. hard, and some people have a, an affinity for things, and other people have an affinity for other things. You never know where you're gonna fall on the spectrum. So there's always this fight to be visible as an artist mm. there's a fight to even just be able to tell your story and and have the competence that you want to be a great performer that in itself is its own movie you know what i mean just the struggle exactly. of an artist internally right then exactly. there's a struggle of an artist financially then there's a struggle of an artist like socially <laughs> like you know because your status is determined by your ability to move you know and right. and then there's a struggle of an artist in leadership if you want to be a choreographer or director you know and then as a woman it's a whole nother struggle so Mm. it was a lot of fears but at the same time you kind of deal with it one by one as they come right like Mm -hmm. you're in the moment that's the other thing it's like if I'm in the class and I'm fighting to get this this movement I'm not thinking about anything else except how can I push this out better you know there's Mm. literally I'm so zoned in and then when I go home and I get the mail, I'm like, how can I pay this bill? You know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> the pressures of real life setting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you kind of, I would take them as they came as opposed to kind of being overwhelmed by all of it at once. And I think what allows you to do that is what you do receive from, mm-hmm. from the arts is there is something that just feeds you. And motivates you to keep going because it's such an amazing feeling to mm-hmm. to dance or to move or to do whatever your art is. Of course, it, it has. It's like you can't eat cake all the time. Cake has to right. make you fat for it to exist. You know what I mean? <laughs> there has to right. be some something to balance out the beauty of this existence. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's mm-hmm. got to be a cost to something this great, and the cost is that you know. You, you have to establish yourself above, not above, but amongst others, mm-hmm. you know, in some way or some fashion to make it through to the other side. Right. right. And then in doing that is when the people in your life will start to see the reward or they'll start to understand, you know, that you pursued this just as hard as you would have a medical degree. So maybe even harder, <laughs> you know, like who knows? Exactly. I have yes. people, students taking my class who are in medical school. And they'll come from their internship. They'll mm. come to class because they need it. Not be, not necessarily because they're trying to be busy. They just need it. They need to move. Right. It's something that, you know, feeds your soul yeah. rather than just, just takes off. something that, yeah, exactly, exactly. So what were the early years of your full-time career, uh, dance career like? They were hilarious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just want to dance. Like, you'll say... I did so many random gigs. Like, I, I, I remember this one artist that I danced for. I don't know how. It ended up being a church fashion show. And we were, like, dancing in between, like, plants. It was, or some other time when we had to do this. and we're, It's so many funny stories that I'm thankful for because it definitely... That those are the stories you remember. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like those are the moments that you're like, that was 
actually fun, even though we're broke. And <laughs> right. we weren't that great yet. <laughs> right. So, you know, I did a lot of free things. I did a lot of sort of just up and coming things, but I just didn't stop. You know what I mean? Like every day I'm like, I need to do five more things today that I didn't do yesterday. You know, yeah. I, I need right. to do, what more can I do to Like how, let me build a website. Let me do this. Let me do that. And that's, you know, kind of how I discovered YouTube before anybody else. Because I was looking for more things to do, you know? Right. Um, and always looking, how can I move better? How can I, I don't know. It, it was just, it was every day waking up was kind of an adventure because you're trying to figure out how to pave the way for yourself. Right. You know, um, there was Absolutely. no script. There was no guidebook. There was no, this is what you need to be doing. It was figure it out. And it's your way of, your whatever you just determine is your figure out, <laughs> mm-hmm. your path that you figured out is not going to look like anybody else's. Exactly. So you got to get to work and custom tailor your future every day. Right. And I think that applies to more than just dancers or I think it applies to everybody who's trying to pursue an art because there's no script, like you said. And oftentimes I feel like when you're creating something artistic, you're so self-conscious about what you're creating and you're like, is this right or is this good? And I don't know how people are going to perceive it. And, um, you know, you don't really know what you're doing. And, And sometimes a lot of people will just give up because they're like, no, 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 I don't know if I can even do this. Yeah. I don't know if this is the right path. Like people, too many people are talking in my ear and I don't know what to listen to. But like you said, you just have to keep pushing forward and you have to keep searching for opportunities for yourself and willing, being willing to execute on your own behalf, you know. Mm-hmm. You just got to yeah. show up and do the work. And I think it goes for anybody, whether they're in the arts or not, anybody creating something, anybody creating a path for themselves really mm-hmm. have to do this you know what I mean do this thing that you're all doing exactly and it's never going to be easy in the first days years whatever but once you hit your stride and figure out okay this is what I want for my life and this is what I hope to achieve out of all of the things that I'm creating then that's when I feel like it's easier to step into your stride I, yes and no. I'll say this is that, mm-hmm. you know, as I've as I've ticked off things on my goal list, um, I, it's only gotten more complicated, not in mm-hmm. a bad way. I just mean, like, I have to remind myself to stop and just enjoy the moment. Mm, Do yes, you know what I mean? Definitely. Because definitely. it's 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 there's no stride. You know, in the sense that if once there's a stride, then you need to switch it up because you're too comfortable. That's real. That's very real, actually. You know, and that's Mm -hmm. the one thing like everything that I've asked for that I have received ended up coming to me in such a way that I didn't recognize it. Hmm. You know, and it wasn't until after that I looked back. I'm like, whoa, wait, that was pretty amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But at the same time, it was so challenging that that's why I didn't recognize it. I was too busy trying to succeed within it mm. you know do you you know what i mean yeah, so the, the the more you accomplish the more you do the more the different your your obstacle obstacles become you know mm, yeah. so what you really have to buy into is not a goal um you kind of have to buy into the story and the journey of it you know what i mean mm. um yeah. so for me it's like I also learned more about what I didn't like. I there are things that I thought that I wanted that mm-hmm. when I got them I'm like, actually I don't I don't need to do that. Right. Yeah, so and those were supposed to be the you know, some of the more I guess um I don't know, uh those are the things that people may attribute to success. <laughs> mm. You know, mm. or they or they might right. think are the goals. And it's like actually right. those aren't yours. Maybe they aren't. Maybe once is fine, but I don't need to keep to stay in that place. Right. You know, maybe it was it was a sort of a step on the journey. You know, which if you subscribe to the journey, then you'll be happy the whole way. Exactly. And to add to that, I feel like people need to be comfortable being uncomfortable because it's never going to be easy. And even though I said you know find your stride, it's more being comfortable being uncomfortable because it's never going to be easy you know Mm -hmm. but yeah so 
as you know, your career progressed, would you be able to speak to some of the amazing milestones you've had since your early days? That's hard. I'm, I'm terrible at that. Cause then I'm like, let me go to my website. Cause I forgot. Um, <laughs> um, they, I've had quite a few milestones and I'll tell you, they were probably the hardest things that I've done, you know? Um, but each one was so amazing. Even like one, like, um, working with like Travis Scott, for example, for the VMAs. And it was like practically a hundred you know, dancers on stage is going crazy, you know, mm-hmm. um, the coordination of that in the time period in like in a day, it was, mm-hmm. it was absolutely nuts, but the energy, you know what I mean? There's some things that are very complex that you create that are like, Ooh, this is so subtle in our two. There's something that's just like, bam, hits you in the face and you make a statement, you know? And, and he was really dope as an artist too, and really understood what he wanted as a director, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. so it was really just cool for me to see those things and, and just, and to be a part of a moment, you know, um, you know, obviously everybody always, you know, references Beyonce, um, because she is like the greatest entertainer (laughs) in our world right now, (laughs) you know, but I worked with her very briefly a long time ago, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it was such a memorable experience and, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I was able to bring some of my Eritrean heritage to the movement, you know, because then it made it right. more important and like more of a moment for me, you know, but I'll tell you this, I'll never forget because then right after that, I started working with Kelly Rowland for, you know, motivation for her, like really dope moment. You know what I mean? Like being a right. part of moments was just like I was hopping around and didn't know that they were going to be something at the time and they... To look back and be like, oh, I was a part of that. Um, but I think the <laughs> my milestone you're gonna laugh is when um, Kelly told me, she's like, oh yeah, B told me there was this girl that was working with her, and she was she was describing me. I'm like, you guys talked about. Oh, me. <laughs> I'm like, like in a like, professional. Wow. I got my professional face. And I'm like, oh really? Oh that's great. Yeah, you know, that was really. But on the inside, like, you're oh, freaking out. God, you guys talked about me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I you love know, that. And this is so many years ago. But it's 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 funny. It takes moments like that to remind you where you are, you know? Mm-hmm. And just say, listen, mm-hmm. you worked hard to get here and it's 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 not by accident, it's not a slip, it's not just a moment, it's a whole career right. that took you to get here, you know? Exactly. Um I think uh I don't know. also even just working with nonprofits was really powerful for me. You know, I worked with um, this nonprofit that built schools in Africa and visiting there and getting to see the schools getting built and working with the kids and being able to contribute as a director to their fundraiser to help raise all this money to do that. Like there, it was incredible. Like, I'm like, wow, how did I get, you know, here? Right. Yeah. So it, it it's a lot of different types of milestones that, you again you don't want to always be looking back and saying hey that was a milestone you want to you want to experience to look back and appreciate some of the things that you've gone through and and admire your path and be like wow I've come a long way oh for sure I think I think for me it's just being able to also recognize it in the moment and enjoy it Mm -hmm. for sure so just to bring it back a little bit um would you be able to give us a little bit of details about how you made that jump from, you know, struggle the bus. struggling <laughs> artist phase to all of a sudden being with Beyonce and Kelly Rowland and the like? Um, it's, it's so many years and so many tears in between, right? Um, right? Basically, you know, like I said before, every day I wake up and try to use the most that my brain could think of to do towards this mm-hmm. one thing, you know, whether or not I believe that I was pursuing it as a career. I just don't do anything halfway. Even if it's a hobby, I don't do it halfway. So you know, now that I had full time to do it, I threw myself into it, you know? And um, training, again, I guess I was always creating. For example, my first opportunity to actually choreograph in, in, on any decently major scale, every day I would go to New York Sports Club and I would go in the studio and just practice by myself and create and then I would bring friends and I'd put them on video and every day, like that was fun to me, every day for no, like for no, there was no job, there was nothing going on. It was just what I right. wanted to do. 
And there was a guy there, he, he would see me every day, and we got cool. He's like, you know, one day I'm going to have something for you. And I was like, cool. You know, everybody walking by the studio. Right, like, guess right. what? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, sure, sure. Okay, we'll see. Then, I don't know, it was like a year or so later, he's like, I got something for you. And he called me to choreograph a whole series of commercials for MTV's Hip Hop Week. And wow. um, at the time, there was a guy, Cootie, who's <laughs> a friend of his, and at, this was like, he, he was friends, I think, with Kanye, or I can't remember how it all came about, but they were ending up using Jesus Walks. It just became this whole thing, and I choreographed a whole series of commercials, you know, all dance, you know, nothing mm-hmm. else but dance in it. And that was my first sort of, like, moment, and look how, what, what brought it about. Right. And then I've, you know, had a lot of random moments like that where people would see me in the grind and pull me onto things. And the thing is, is that if you put in the work, the work will produce work for you, you know? Absolutely. So it, it's just about, and not just being, you know, over in a studio that nobody can see. It's being visible is extremely important. So I was visible in different ways, not because I was just trying to be visible, but because that's how the opportunities would happen. I would just become visible because I was doing my thing in the community, you know, in every way that I could, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, for example, YouTube, that came about. I became like the first choreographer on YouTube ages ago. (laughs) You know, I left YouTube ages ago, but at the time I was the girl on YouTube. I didn't know what that meant. You know what I mean? Right. I just was trying to, I was like, oh, this is cool. Let me just upload my videos. Nobody else knew what this website was. I look up and everybody's on this website. Then all of right. a sudden, all these artists from Asia, from like Taiwan, from China, from like, were like, we want you to come and choreograph our tour. No one wow. in the U.S. had given me that opportunity yet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because you had to have relationships with the record labels and you had to have years of experience. It was different then. They weren't checking for social media. That was actually amateur hour. You know what I mean? So they wanted seasoned professionals. So the only people who gave me a chance were overseas to do the major event. And I did like sold out arena stadium tours. I was choreographing in like Indonesia, you know, (laughs) random. That's amazing. It's amazing, and nobody knew about it over here, (laughs) you know? Um, And then I would also teach all over the world. You know, this was before people were traveling and teaching. It was just me and, like, people who had been teaching and and might have even moved to places like Japan who were a bit older as well and were more foundational in hip-hop. But I I was the first one that was, you know, more commercial dance, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. traveling and teaching. And then that brought about its own visibility, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I decided, you know, I'm off YouTube. I want to be home. I want to be in the States so the people in the States that, that hire and all of that can see me because when I'm gone, I'm gone. They don't know I exist. I need to right. build my reputation from the ground up in the place where I want it. So I said no to everything. I got off YouTube and I started over wow. <laughs> in the U.S. And I built, I was teaching. I was constantly putting out, you know, work in, in one way or another, even just to showcase, just to, you know? And right. again, those would translate into small, small opportunities, which would randomly translate into big opportunities where I'd be walking by a studio and and Kelly Rowland's choreographer at the time was like, hey, I know you, I've seen your stuff. Come in this room real quick. Because I was walking by, you know what I mean? And that wow. translated into my first, you know, into a lot of opportunities. That was Frank Gadsden, and he was Beyonce's choreographer, Desi's child choreographer. He was huge, you know? So... Mm that allowed me opportunities in one direction. So there's no one way in, you know? And then to the point where I was able to build a reel that was still kind of not like the biggest reel in the world, but it had some Mm. stuff on it. And then, you know, Alicia Keys was looking for a new sort of person, you know, Mm. um, for performances. And they, something in my reel spoke to, I didn't didn't know anybody. I had no in, none. And I just decided to put my personality in my reel so people felt like they could get a feel of me not just yeah relate you know? to you yeah mm-hmm. so and and I guess you know and her team told me you know what there's something about your real just that yeah I don't know we just wanted to meet you and that turned into years long you know performance like working with her and and being a part of her life and and her you know what I mean like it was incredible mm-hmm. so people always see the end thing you know what I mean mm-hmm. they don't see mm-hmm. all the million things that you did on faith or just because just to be good at what you do that then right. brought about the opportunities, you know? Exactly. And that's not even why you did it. You just trusted that mm-hmm. whatever came, however it would come around whatever corner, it would right. come, but not to look for it, but just to do the work. Right. Yeah, because you never really know what tomorrow or next week looks like. But as long as you're 
walking in faith and, you know, really believing in your abilities, the opportunities will present themselves to you. Absolutely. And I feel like this also speaks a lot to the importance of building a personal brand. Like people sometimes forget the importance of how you present yourself to other people. And they're kind of just like, oh, let me just try and do the work and hopefully someone will find me somewhere in the depths of wherever. But like you have to consciously um, think of how you present yourself to the world, especially when it comes to your art and your craft. Absolutely. And it's important. Like for me, I decided early on I would I I wouldn't compromise myself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I knew that that might, might, might mean I don't get certain opportunities, but I just mm-hmm. only did what I was comfortable doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And I may not be in every room, I may not be in every conversation, but whatever I'm supposed to do, I'll feel good about it because it won't feel uncomfortable. Right, you didn't compromise yourself or your values. Exactly, and I think that, that that's part of my brand for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So do you have any advice for any current students at Penn or just, you know, college students in general or recent grads or even high school students who may be afraid to follow a more non-traditional path, especially because at Penn, like finance and consulting and things like that often get, you know, a higher profile than careers in entertainment or entrepreneurship in general. And it can be difficult for students or alum to, you know, find the resources and networks to help grow their careers. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for these students looking to do that? Oh, totally. I mean, listen, I went to school. John Legend was my classmate. You know what I mean? Like, yes. <laughs> you know, like we, we were all really lucky to be in an artistic environment to some degree, but we had to create that one. My, my big advice is this. Do the work. 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 The hardest worker in the room is the one that wins. Not the smartest, not the most talented, not the most whatever. The hardest worker that I've seen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, your talent, all of that adds to it. But the Mm -hmm. hardest worker in the room wins. So make sure you love the work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then it's, it's, it's you're automatically, organically doing what's necessary. You're working hard, but you're also putting more into it than it requires. Mm-hmm. you know so that's one resources pimp all your resources I wish I had done more of that at Penn you know I wish I'd taken advantage of more things actually um, but mm-hmm. really really use your resources your network is your net worth and it's also your sanity <laughs> you know what I mean yeah the people that you meet not just your peers and your friends but you know people who visit you know like follow mm-hmm. up really follow up like just just check in on folks and and I wish I'd done a better job of that still do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um these are all things that I guarantee will will help and also you know innovate I think you know especially at Penn don't just take someone's word for something like take it a step further challenge it you know push it push the idea you know like really try and create something new and something fresh and something that no one no one's tried or seen before you know even if mm-hmm. it's just like a slight twist on an existing situation you know just just switch mm-hmm. it up innovate 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 um mm-hmm. and and always look for the next thing not for the current thing you know and i think that's another maybe another way of saying innovate but it's not because especially now with social media we're we're so surrounded by current images that we feel like we should be doing that we're not always looking ahead to new ones and for me it's it's like what's the next thing how can i create or be a part of that and trust and then put the work towards that and then love the work and then you see how it all kind of comes together it's like how can you not win and the other thing is to is to um respect the people that are concerned about you you know, um, understand where they're coming from. Like I always understood where my parents were coming from because I understood literally where they were coming from, you know, culturally. (laughs) (laughs) I would be like, I probably feel the same way and just be gentle and be, be caring, you know, and, and don't look at it as a rebellion. If you feel like, you know, you have to quote unquote rebel, um, look at it as, you know what, let me help you understand. Let me, let me guide you. Let me show you, you know, and you may not understand this now, but when you have that confidence, people can't help but feel like, okay, well, I may not agree with it, but they got something. You know what I mean? Like, right. they got it under control. Even if you don't have it under control, get it under control when you talk yeah. to them. You know what I mean? So, Absolutely. 
those are things that come to mind. Of course, there's always a million more, but yeah, no, I think that's amazing. And just to add a little, a couple more tidbits, um, when you talk about using your resources, um, there are a lot of resources at Penn for entrepreneurs or people who want to be in other fields besides consulting and finance or whatever the, that may be. Just like I typed in, you know, Penn entrepreneurship resources and so much comes up. There's op- entrepreneurship classes. There's the Scale School. There's Wharton India Fellows. There's a VIPC community. There's an accelerator program. And there's like startup challenges competing, you know, to win prizes, startup showcases, things like that. And I know that's not necessarily related to dance specifically, but I want people to know that um, if you're not trying to follow the traditional quote unquote path that you know people are often pushed on at a school like Penn or just in college in general, like there are resources out there. You just have to be willing to do the work to find it. Um, and then also in terms of your innovation point, um, One thing that I learned from working in corporate America, um, I'm no longer in corporate America, I'm pursuing my own entrepreneurship ventures, but um, one thing that I really learned was what value do you provide to whatever situation you're in? Like you have to be able to look at yourself and recognize, okay, what value is it that I bring to the situation and how can I innovate or add something that someone else isn't. And that could even be something as simple as your perspective is different because your background is not the same as everybody else's. So, So, yeah, if you're looking to follow a non-traditional path like you or I or whoever, um, it's important to recognize that within yourself and be willing to do the work. So, yes, thank you so much for this conversation. I feel like this was an amazing conversation. I'm so glad that we got to spend this time together. Um, um, yeah so I hope everybody listening enjoyed and thank you everybody for tuning in please don't forget to take a listen to our other episodes and you can find them all at cvines.org we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Climbing Vines podcast please check back on our website cvines.org for more information about the project